to introduce today's speaker to you. I think this young man always speaks from his heart. I think, I think when we hear him preach, we know what he's sharing with us is the road that he's walking at the same time. He lives and breathes every word that he shares with us. Please give a warm welcome now to Alid Cousins. I might just move that back there, I think. <laughs> to be fair, they're never going to say anything negative before you come up, because she knows I've got the microphone for the next half an hour, and I can say anything I wanted. So, well, good morning. Hope you're doing well. Uh, my name's Alid, as Hannah said. I'm one of the members here at King's and part of the leadership team. It is my absolute privilege uh, to be continuing our preach series on the book of James. How are we enjoying James. Let me be honest, I feel like I've gone through four or five rounds in the boxing ring. That's what I feel like. There's such a huge amount of challenge, uh, so many provoking things in there. I think kind of, uh, Paul said, kind of every other verse in there, there seems to be an instruction or a challenge of some kind. Um, I think if I look at my Bible, it looks like my girls have got hold of it. It's just colouring everywhere and scribbles all over it. I found it really particularly challenging. But before we get into James this morning, I just wanted to have a bit of uh, participation on your part. I hope that's okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to start a phrase, I'm going to start a sentence, and I want you, ev- everyone, to call out, so be confident, and finish the phrase for me. Is that okay? All right? Now, a lot of them are Christian phrases, things that we sing, things that you might read in the Bible. If you don't often read these things, or you don't see these things, or you don't come to church, you can just shout out sausages. I don't mind. All right? But it, there is a point to it, so I just want you to join me. So if I said, God mercies are new... Oh, you can do better than that. Okay, right, so I'm going to do one more time. God's mercies are new. Fantastic. Okay, let's try a few more. I will never leave you or... Fantastic. Brilliant. This side over here is doing really well. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am... A child of God. Okay, how about this one? For if God is for us... Loving it. Brilliant. We have been justified by... Cool, you can do it. We can be justified by... Fantastic. Okay, open your Bibles to James 2, and we're going to be looking at justification by... Works. Oh, works. Oh, boy. Thanks, James. Haven't even started reading it, and we've got a problem. Okay, so open your Bibles. This is James chapter 2, verses 14, and let's see what James has to say. Verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Okay, thank you Lord for just all the truths that we've been singing today. And I just pray in the next kind of half an hour or so, would you do something in our hearts? Would we get a grasp of what the truth is in your word? And I pray where there may be confusion, where there may be uh, misunderstanding, I do pray, would you come and speak with real clarity? And I pray where you need to bring challenge, would you do that to each and every heart in here today? Amen. Amen. Okay, so we start with a bit of a problem, all right? Let's be honest. Because if you've been uh, with us for any length of time or kind of evangelical circles, you'd know that we teach a lot about salvation by being a means of grace by faith, all right? And as we've just demonstrated, we're very well rehearsed in talking about the truths of the gospel of grace and having faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in our hearts, we confess with our mouths, Jesus is Lord, and we're saved. Hallelujah. Let's get the band up, let's rejoice, let's celebrate. James says, well, just, just pause just for a minute. Just hold on for a second. Now, I understand the confusion, I really do, because we read things like this. Here's a few things that the Apostle Paul says. Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from works. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast." So again and again and again, Paul talks about us being uh, kind of, we've been brought, we've been united with Christ by faith, not by works, not by the things that we can do or have done, but because of his wonderful saving grace and our faith in Jesus. It's amazing. Now, clearly, James never got the memos. All right? Clearly, James never quite read the story. I don't know if you've, have you ever had a time where maybe you've been in a meeting? And it quickly becomes apparent that the reason you think you're in that meeting is different to everyone else's thought. <laughs> you ever been like that? Uh, a number of years ago, Matt Beanie asked me to join him in the foundations course while he was teaching uh, probably about 15, 20 people. And he said, why don't you come along? You can see what we do um, and you can kind of join me in, in doing some of that stuff. Great, I'll go. So I got there on, the, on this evening and uh, Matt Beanie started with what was quite an incredible um, I suppose he just said lots of lovely things about me, which was nice. But those things turned into, so Alid is, is actually come tonight because he's going to be preaching the word of God for us tonight. And I actually had absolutely no idea. And in those kind of moments, you just think, crumbs, I just, I'm not quite communicating. I should have just read that email that you sent that week. 
That's what I should have done. I should have just read the email that he sent that week. And it's almost as though James has just forgotten to pick up his emails. Everyone else is thinking, oh, what do you think of Paul's letters? They're great faith, grace. What about you, James? Must be about the works, isn't it? You just think, I just don't understand. At first glance, that's what it looks like is having to James. But actually, James is very, very aware of Paul's teaching. He's very aware of Paul's teaching. And what's more is that he doesn't, he actually agrees with it. He's not coming, he's not bringing something which is actually saying Paul's teaching is wrong. He actually comes with what I'd say is like a litmus test to the genuine faith that Paul is talking about again and again and again. He says this, The risk of salvation being based only on the belief of the heart or even a declaration of the mouth. He says this, You can do that yet not have any change or transformation in the heart. It's possible to do that. It's possible to do everything that we've even been doing today and for you to not have transformation in your heart. You can come to church every week, you can sing songs, you can do all the different things that even the Bible encourages us to do, but there could be no transformation in the heart. Actually, the faith, the outworking of that faith may not be there. So James is going to really helpfully unpack why faith on its own is actually not enough. To just believe in your heart or even confess with your mouth is not enough when standing the test of time. Because he says that faith always results in action. It always results in works or always results, if you like, in fruit. In fruit. And it's not that Paul's message of grace and faith is wrong. It's not. You can only receive salvation as a means of grace through faith in Christ. We sang it this morning. What can wash away our sins? Only the blood of Jesus. It's not that we're now saying, oh, actually, we need to do certain things to become right in Christ. But what James says is this. James says is this. If you are saved, but your life is void of the good works... If your, if your life doesn't uh, demonstrate change or renewal, if it is void of fruit, James begs the question, are you really saved? That's what he says. Is salvation really there? So if James was here this morning, if he had the microphone and he was preaching, he would start with a title like this. Saved? Prove it. So that's the message this morning. Saved? Prove it. And that's what James is saying here. We're going to unpack these verses very quickly with these two clear themes in mind. Faith and works. And we're going to see how they very quickly they work together. Okay? So let's just quickly define what we mean by the word faith. Because the word faith, we use it all the time. Even in everyday context. Our faith that you'll do that. Uh, there's lots of faiths in the world. So what is it that we're actually talking about? Because it's not just James and the Apostle Paul that talk about faith. It's actually all throughout the Bible. So if you've got a, um, a new international version Bible, do you know there's 365 references to faith in your Bible? One for every day of the year. All right. And in the New Testament, there's 280 of them. 126 of those are referring to your faith. Not our faith collectively, but your individual faith in Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, I suppose that there is more said about faith in the Bible than anything else Because faith is that by which all the blessings of salvation ultimately come to us. We are saved by faith. We are sanctified by faith. We walk by faith. So how are we going to define this word faith? Well, the Bible does it for us. If you look in Hebrews 11, it says this. Faith is being sure of what we hope for 
and certain of what we do not see. There is something of an assurance in our heart. In other words, faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in the gospel isn't something that's learned. It's not something actually which is scientifically proven. It's not a chemical imbalance in the brain. It cannot be purchased over the counter. There is something that happens where the Holy Spirit comes and deposits a confidence and assurance in the heart of the believer that God is faithful to do everything that he has promised to do. That's the first thing that faith is, a full assurance, a certainty in the heart of the believer. John Stott says this, I love this. He says, human faith and divine faithfulness are the obverse or the reverse of the same coin. It is precisely because God is faithful that faith becomes reasonable. For there is no more trustworthy person than God. So to trust the trustworthy is hardly daring or adventurous. It's just plain sober common sense. I love that. Having faith in God to fulfill his promises is purely, it's just common sense because he is always, always faithful. There has never been a promise that has gone, not gone to pass. So we're familiar with all of that. I know that. I thought that was the tree. I thought, Brian, what am I going to say? We're familiar with all of that side, but James just wants to take it one step further. He says this in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Verse 19 and 20. You believe that God is one. You do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? He says that faith, if just left to belief and understanding, is not enough. He says even the demons believe... But faith requires action. It requires change. You see, faith is only exercised, if you like, when you have to rely on it or put your weight on it. Does that make sense? There's one thing saying, I think this will hold me. It's another for me to actually come up here and say, oh yeah, it can hold me. It's an exercise of my faith. You see, faith should affect not just the way that I think and believe, but also the way I talk the way I act, the way even that I feel because of the confidence and the assurance of faith I have in my heart. It, it changes the way that I am. Faith is always followed by fruit. Uh, three years ago, for my 30th birthday, I, I, got, I went skydiving. And uh, at 12,500 feet, I jumped out of an aeroplane. I, sorry, I screamed my way out of an aeroplane, <laughs> strapped to a guy who assured me that at the right speed and at the right height, he will pull the right cord at the right time, and we won't turn head corn, I think a phrase he used, we won't turn head corn into red corn. Uh, Brilliant, thank you. Really helpful. I had faith in the guy on the ground. I did. I had faith on the guy. Let's face it, he had a track record. He was still alive. He jumped out of a plane hundreds of times before. He was still there. He was still walking. I had faith in him on the ground. But my faith was only really put into practice. It was only exercised, if you like, the minute I jumped out of that airplane with him strapped to my back. That was when my exercise 
when, my, when I put weight, if you like, on my faith in him. And similarly, James poses a few challenges in this scripture. He says things like, what good is it for someone to have faith if it is never acted on? If it's never actually had weight put on it? If it's never exercised beyond a belief? Where he says, what good is it for someone to believe or have a life of love, generosity and care for the poor if you never encourage, if you never give or if you never look after those in need? What's, what's actually the point? In other words, how do I know that there is fuel in the fuel tank of your car unless you turn the ignition and you drive down the road and you demonstrate there is fuel to get it where it needs to go? That's one way that you, it's one way that you demonstrate that there is fuel in your car is that it moves along the road. And that is what James is saying here. So justification, right? let's just be clear, salvation, right? being a Christian by James's terms is this. It's the combination of faith, believing in Christ, confessing with my mouth that he is Lord of my life, and works. Growing more and more and acting more and more in the accordance of who Christ is and who I'm becoming more and more like. Does that make sense? I'm becoming more and more like him. James's provocation is this. You can get a measure of someone's faith in Christ by seeing the works that are evident in their life. What fruit is on display? Challenged? I'm very, very challenged. Very challenged. Therefore, by James's terms, the evidence of works is what substantiates, it's what confirms the faith that has been implanted in my heart. You should be able to look at my life and say, faith is evident. Not that I just say certain things or I believe even certain things in my heart, but actually the outworking of what I do day-to-day life just doesn't reflect what God is doing in my heart. James would say, well, where is the evidence of salvation? It's challenging. So let me just ask you, what fruit is displayed in your life? And listen, this is not a message of condemnation. This is also a message of celebration because we've already heard this morning of so many wonderful, great things that God is doing amongst us. It's things to celebrate, but also where it says in the Bible about kind of work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you come every single week and you say you love Jesus, but actually you leave this place and you live a life just like you did before you said you follow Jesus, James would say, I think we need to think about your salvation a little bit more. Before we just say, let's get the band up and let's celebrate, he'll say, Actually, the outworking of that faith, we need to look at that a little bit deeper. It's a challenge. What a challenge. He writes in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And then he goes on to describe two Old Testament characters in the Bible, okay, who clearly demonstrate or confirm their faith through their obedience and willingness to put their weight on their faith, regardless of the consequences. Because actually the consequences in both these cases that he uses in these examples is death. All right. So he says in, in verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And in 25 he uses the example of Rahab. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out 
by another way. There's two examples of people that were obedient to Christ, obedient to God, but the consequences in putting their trust in faith actually could have resulted in death. Death of Rahab, death in Isaac. But they put their weight on the faith. Not only do I say, I think that this is what will happen, they actually put their faith, they put their faith to the test. Notice that in both cases, salvation and blessing came about not only through the belief in the faithfulness of God, but through the work of faith that led them to put that faithfulness to the test. And John Piper says this, Though we are saved by God's unconditional electing grace through the gift of faith, the works we do prove that our faith is real. Works are evidence of election. That's why on one hand, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. Right? That's election. No one comes to me except unless I draw him. So that's election. And on the other hand, he says, if you love me, you'll follow and keep my commands. That's evidence of faith. That's our response to election. Evidence of it. He ties both together again when he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. That's election. They know my voice. I've called them. And what's the evidence? They follow me. Does this make sense? He calls you. He draws something out of us. It wasn't because of us and what we'd done. He whispers words of love and he says, I love you so much. Come, follow me. But the evidence of our faith, the the outworking of our salvation is when I say, I will follow you. Regardless of the cost. Because, you know, following Jesus is very costly. And James is saying, often, actually, you'll find people that do all the stuff for Christ, but they're not willing to count the cost. They're not willing to actually make the sacrifices on certain areas of their life. They'll continue living the way that they always lived. And he says, I'm not quite sure on the level of salvation. That's what John Piper says. Do works save you? It's a question you can answer. Do works save us? No. They don't save you. They don't save you. Do works bring about a confirmation of the faith that we profess in our hearts? Yes, absolutely. If your life is not much different now to the time before you professed Christ, is James concerned over your salvation? Absolutely. Absolutely. James says that when you're grafted into Christ, they cannot help but become more like him. The way that they talk, the way they walk, the way they show compassion. Your DNA is very different. The way that you choose to go out of your way, not to ignore the people that are socially outcast, but to go out of your way to make sure that you can meet their needs. These are the things that James says are the fruits of having the Holy Spirit in you. Everything begins to change the moment the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. Um, a number of years ago, Lou and myself, we lived at Dan and Andrea's house um, while they went to the Yemen. And before they came back, I really wanted to do something nice. I wanted to do out their courtyard, their garden. So I spent the day out there, I kind of jet washed and I cleaned up the paths. And there was a number of flower beds. And what I did, I basically pulled up all the weeds. I put them in a bin bag, took them to the tip. Uh, and all the plants, I just potted them out, made them look nice, watered them, looked great. My friend Brian, who's a gardener, uh, he was coming round that night. And I was really pleased, I was genuinely really pleased that he was coming around because I wanted to show him all that I'd done. And it turned out very quickly, <laughs> he kind of looked a bit confused and he said, 
where have all the plants gone? And, and I realised actually what I've done is I've thrown away all the plants and I've potted all these lovely looking weeds. I'm not a gardener, clearly. I don't really know what I'm looking for. Do you know what? The Bible says that God is like a gardener. He knows what a weed looks like. And he knows what genuine fruit looks like. And with salvation, God knows what it is that he's looking for. He knows what he's looking for. We may be impressed. You may be impressed with our lives and say all the right things. But God is like the gardener and he's looking to see what investment has been made on the weeds in our lives. And what investment has been made on the fruits and the faith in our lives. A number of years later, in fact just two years ago, um, I bought some, I've been doing some veg gardening at the bottom of my garden and I've done quite well. And uh, I bought some uh, French beans and I put them in the ground and sure enough, after a while, me and Bethan, we were watering them every day and uh, some shoots started to grow out of the ground and they got taller and taller and in the end some fruit started to grow. And uh, I noticed these French beans, they, they didn't really necessarily get very long. In fact, they just started to get really fat. And I started to just get a bit confused. And in the end, it turns out that my French bean plant that I planted was actually growing peas. Now, this is amazing. Honestly, I, I, looked, I couldn't find anywhere else on the internet where French beans were producing peas. I thought it was amazing. So this is what I did. And I'll say this in jest, but it's true. I sent a quick email to the people that I got the plants from, and I just said, hey, thought you'd like to know, these French beans you sold me have turned into peas. Now, what was their response? That is amazing. Please, can we have some back? I think we can make a lot of money out of these. No, they said something along the lines of, sorry for the mix-up, clearly they were never French beans, new packet in the post. James is saying, the way of faith, or the outworking of faith, is shown in the fruit you know what, I could look at the pea or the bean or whatever I planted in the ground. I had no idea what it was going to turn into. I knew exactly what it was by the fruit that was given off. I've, I have no idea, to be honest. I don't know how Brian gets oranges that big out of a plant that small. I'm not quite sure what he's feeding them. I, I, I don't know what the seed would have looked like when that was planted. I don't know. But I do know what tree it is now. It's not an apple tree. It's not a pear tree, is it? It's a turnip tree. <laughs> I'm, I'm so non way. I don't know whether you're being genuine or not. I know what a turnip is, but I don't know whether... <laughs> oh my goodness, this isn't going well. What James says is, listen, you say you have, you profess Jesus and you say you have faith in him. Brilliant. But he says that if you planted an orange tree, if you planted an orange seed, an orange tree would follow. If you are planted in Christ, if you're grafted into Christ, the fruit that will come out of it will, has to be, cannot be anything other than Christ's fruit. If in your life you are demonstrating fruit which is not of Christ, and listen, I'm not saying you don't just make mistakes. I'm not just saying that there's a stronghold and in Christ I'm really trying my heart. I'm not saying that we don't make mistakes. But if you're living a life, if you've got a heart, actually, I just want to do this my own way, God, you have no access to this part of my life. James will say, that's not Christ fruit. I think we need to look at what was the seed that was planted. And we need to think about planting the right seed. 
If you want to know if the seed of Christ is growing in someone's life, look at the Christ-like fruits that is hanging from their branches. And in demonstrating and working out their salvation, they guarantee for themselves a faith that will go the distance. So let me just ask you again, as we come for a closing minute, because we've had a short amount of time. Let me just ask you, what is the fruit that is hanging on your branches? It's a good question for us to ask ourselves. In fact, why don't you just now, why don't you just close your eyes and just bow your heads? Why don't you just think? I just want to give you a moment to think. I feel this is a moment where the Holy Spirit can come and start talking to you and saying, I love you so much. This this isn't a message of condemnation. Because I think there would be many people here today, and yes, you are absolutely wonderfully saved, and there can still be areas of compromise in your life, and God wants to deal with that today. But I do wonder if there are some people here today and as you look over your life you would reflect and say actually I think the majority of the fruit in my life is not of Christ. And I think today is a wonderful opportunity for you to plant a seed of Christ in your heart that in time will show growth and development and life in Jesus. You will start to produce fruit which is in line with the life of Christ. What is the fruit in your life? Do your works substantiate what you believe in your heart or say with your mouth? Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to come and speak to us. Would you highlight to us where there are areas in our life that don't please or honour you? And I pray, would you open the eyes of the blind here today? You know, you may have come in, you might not even know Jesus, you might not have even been in church before. There is a wonderful opportunity for you to receive the the seed of Christ in your life. For you to say, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I've done everything my way. And he is willing and just to forgive you. Janae, why don't you just come up for two minutes? Yeah. Just while Janae's just going to strum, we're not going to sing a song, I don't think we've got time. But I just want to give this as an opportunity for you to just do a bit of business with God. Is that alright? For you to be able to just pray, for you to be able to just do a bit of dialogue with God and just ask Him, God, will you just continue to highlight things for me? And I'm also going to say that if you want prayer for anything this morning, we would love to pray for you. I think that there will definitely be, in fact I know, that there will be people in this room today that have heard that and it's kind of confirmation of what you've been feeling for a while now. That you kind of thought, oh, you know, I've, I've done all this stuff but I'm just not quite sure if I've really got that deep relationship with Jesus. Today is an opportunity for you to put that right. Don't leave this place without doing that. Why don't we stand? You know, if we had more time, I would have loved to encourage people to bring testimonies of the fruit that God has been doing in their life and what God's doing. Let me just encourage you, why don't you share with people around you, not right now, but after coffee and things like that, why don't you share and just say, this is what God's been doing in my life. These are some of the things that I was struggling with, and this is how God's brought kind of redemption in my life. Here's some of the things that have been issues in my life through things that people have done to me or that I've done, and God has celebrated, thank Jesus, he has set me free. 
It's good to celebrate. It's good to share testimonies of what God is doing in this place. So just respond to him right now. You can lift your hands. You can just pray. Just You do a moment. I don't, I'm going to stop talking now. And I just want to give an intentional bit of moment for you to just do some honest talk with God. Then I'll hand over to Paul. Bible's very clear when we came to know Jesus, the imperishable seed of the gospel was planted into our hearts. Sometimes it grows quickly, sometimes it grows more slowly. But over time, you can always see the work of Christ in a believer's life. There might be some of you here today, and you're just questioning. You're thinking, actually, maybe my life hasn't gone as I thought it would have gone, after I've made my commitment to follow Christ. And I just want the opportunity to process, process that with someone. If that is you, if you just come to the front at the end when people are going for coffee, and Ali will be here, I'll be around, I'm very happy to chat with you. And we can just talk to you about it. Sometimes this stuff needs to be explored in conversation. It's not easy always to identify. For others of us, it's a provocation. Are we bearing the fruit... That that gospel seed was designed to do in our lives. Are there some hindrances we've got there? For others of us, it's just that fresh faith stirring to say, no, it's time to go again. Lord, I thank you for the incredible fruitfulness. Lord, I see here at King's. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would be like the richest manure poured all over us. Producing more and more fruit for the glory of your name, we pray. We commit this word to you. Would it have its full effect, we pray. Amen. We're going to finish it up there. If you're visiting, please head over to the welcome area. I'd love the opportunity to meet with you, um, get to know you a little bit. Enjoy the sunshine. I hope it doesn't rain too soon. Um, Have a great weekend. Thanks.